So the key is not having so much faith or a lot of faith. The key is having faith in the promise of God. It is believing that God made a promise and God will keep his promise. Welcome to the Fox Den with Terry Fox. Greetings, everyone. Thanks for joining me in the Fox Den. Today, I'd like to talk about Bible heroes. But I'm not going to talk about these heroes in the way that you might think. Now, many of you attended church when you were children. You went to Sunday school, and you learned many of the different Bible stories. You learned about David and Goliath, Noah's Ark, Adam and Eve, and many of the other stories. It's important for us to teach these individual stories to children because these are the building blocks of the entire Bible story. And you begin to see the flow of the Bible as you see these stories together. But it begins by learning the individual stories and learning about the different Bible characters. However, many churches focus on the conduct of the Bible characters. And this is problematic for a couple reasons. First, it takes our eyes off the real hero of the Bible, and that is God, or in particular, Jesus Christ. You see, as we focus on the individual Bible characters, we take our eyes off of Christ. You see, the whole Bible is about Jesus. Even in those books in the Old Testament where Jesus has yet to be born, he is either there or those books are pointing forward to him. Now, it may kind of throw you off when I say that Jesus was actually there, and perhaps I'll create another episode that talks in particular about that. But there are places in the Old Testament that we see Jesus. And concerning those times where the Old Testament points forward to Jesus, I'm going to suggest that you listen to episode 8, and also a couple of my blog articles. The first one is Abraham, Isaac, and Jesus in Genesis 22. And the second one is Psalm 23, Jesus the Good Shepherd. The first one you can find at thefoxdenjournal.com slash Isaac. And the second you can find at thefoxdenjournal.com slash shepherd. And in those articles, I show you how the Old Testament is pointing forward to Jesus in those particular passages. So because the whole Old Testament is about Jesus, he is the real hero. And when we focus our attention on individual Bible characters, such as Abraham, David, Moses, then we take our focus off of Christ, the real hero of the Bible. And this is also problematic because the men and women of the Bible are not good role models at all. On the contrary, they are miserable sinners. And we're going to take a look at a couple of these here in just a moment. Now, it's not uncommon for us to think, man, I wish I could be like that Bible hero. Maybe David, who was a man after God's own heart. And I think we tend to elevate these folks because they're in the Bible, and they must be important. These must be heroes, like Abraham. I think it's easy to look at Abraham and think, this guy is a real Bible hero because God picked him. But we fail to understand that God didn't pick him because he was such a great guy. God picked him because it pleased him to pick him. That's the only reason why God picked him. Now, though these people may have stood firm in their faith, they were not pillars when it comes to their conduct. Let me show you what I mean. Let's take a look at Abraham. And like I just said, we tend to look at Abraham as this great man of God, that God picked him. Out of all the people in the universe, Abraham was the man he called. We see that in Genesis chapter 12. But again, what we fail to understand is God chose Abraham not because of who Abraham is, because it pleased God to do so. Now, let me point out a character flaw in Abraham. You see, in Genesis chapter 20, 
that Abraham was in a place called Gerar, and he lied about his wife, and he said that she is his sister. So the king of Gerar took Sarah to be his wife. So now you have this king who took Sarah to be his wife when she is the wife of Abraham. And now she's in this predicament because Abraham lied about her. And do you know why he did that? He says in verse 11 he was afraid they were going to kill him. You see, because Abraham feared for his life, he lied about his wife. So he lied about his wife to save his own skin. This doesn't sound like a man of high character, does it? Well, let's fast forward to Moses. Certainly Moses is this great moral character. However, we see a problem in Numbers chapter 20. And in verse 8, God tells Moses to tell the rock to yield water. But look at what he did in verse 11. He didn't tell the rock to yield water. He hit the rock with his staff. Now, because of God's grace, water came forth. But look at what God told Moses. Because he didn't believe God, Moses could not lead God's people into the promised land. Such a small infraction, right? God said, tell the rock to yield water. He hits the rock instead. It was such a big violation in God's eyes that he would not allow Moses to lead God's people into the promised land. Moses died before they crossed the Jordan. Does this sound like a man of moral conduct? He disobeyed God. Well, let's look at David, a man after God's own heart. Now, do you really think David is going to be a better example than Abraham and Moses? You know by now that David is going to be a failure as well. But we're going to take a look at this. So you can go to 2 Samuel chapter 11 and read the story in full. But I'll briefly tell you the story. So it says that it was a time when kings go out to war, but David stayed back in Jerusalem. And he was on the roof of the king's house, and he saw a woman bathing. And so he had his folks send her up to his place, and he slept with her, and she became pregnant. Now it just so happens that her husband was a faithful soldier in David's army. Where was her husband? Out at war, where David should have been, fighting David's battle. So now David has to cover his tracks. So he sends a message out to Uriah, her husband, and basically he says he wants to reward him for his faithful service, so he brings him back and he he has him go sleep with his wife. You see what he's doing? He's trying to cover his tracks. Because if Uriah goes in and sleeps with Bathsheba, then it looks like it's Uriah's baby, not David's. The problem is Uriah is a faithful soldier. And he doesn't want to be with his wife when his fellow soldiers are out at battle. Well, David sends Uriah back out to the battle, and he instructs the leadership to put Uriah on the front and in the thick of the battle pull back so that Uriah is out there by himself. And that's what happens, and Uriah is killed. Do you see what David did? The man after God's own heart. He committed adultery, and he committed murder. You see, these three guys I just pointed out, Abraham, Moses, David, we tend to elevate these guys as pillars of the faith, but they're scoundrels. You see, they're just like you and me. They're no different. So why would you aim to be like David? Do you want to be an adulterer and murderer? Or to be like Abraham? Do you want to be a liar? Or to be like Moses? Really disobedient to God? You see, the Bible characters are terrible role models when it comes to conduct. We should never look at these guys as people that we try to be like. Not a single one of them. And again, the big problem here is when we do this, we take our eyes off of Jesus, who is the main character of the whole Bible and the real hero of the Bible. 
But two, we set up these failures as our example to emulate. You see, if they're examples to follow, it's this. They believed God. That's it. That's the example we're to follow. You see, it's not their conduct. It's their faith. Now, I want to spend a moment just to talk about faith. You see, I think we have a distorted view of faith. We tend to think like, I wish I had more faith. I knew a guy who wanted to have enough faith that he never got sick again in his life. Well, first of all, that's impossible because we live in a sinful world. We are affected by sin. We're going to get sick and we're going to die, and that's a result of sin. So it's wasted effort to try to have so much faith that you never get sick. But second, that's not the purpose of faith. Now, Jesus did say that if you had small faith, like a grain of a mustard seed, and you told a mountain to move, it would move. And the idea there is you don't need great faith. You actually just need a little faith. But the purpose of faith is not to move mountains. The purpose of faith is not to make sure you never get sick again. The purpose of faith is to believe God. To believe that God made a promise and God will keep his promise. The purpose of faith is to embrace Christ. That's it. All faith is, is believing to the degree that you act on it. So, for example, as I'm recording this podcast, I'm sitting in a chair. And you can tell that I believe that this chair is going to hold up my weight. And how do you know? I'm sitting in it. I'm putting my full weight on this chair because I believe that it's going to hold me up. If I didn't believe, I wouldn't sit in the chair. You see, faith in Christ is the same. I fully depend on him for my salvation. I don't rest on my own good works because I have none. I'm resting on the work of Christ alone. That's faith. Faith is also believing that God made a promise. God is going to keep his promise. You see, this is where Abraham is an example. He believed God and he acted on that. Noah did the same thing. Noah's not a righteous man because he built the ark. Noah was a righteous man because he believed God. He built the ark because he believed God. His obedience was based on his faith. And if you go to my blog article that I pointed out earlier on Abraham, there I describe how Abraham illustrated his faith. You see, it's not about the amount of faith that you have. It's about the object of your faith. Who do you believe? In fact, if we go back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3, Adam's disobedience comes from his disbelief. God said that he would die if he ate the fruit, but he didn't believe God and he ate the fruit. And from there, we have the fall of mankind. Now, I want to direct your attention to Hebrews chapter 11, and this is known as the Hall of Faith. And the writer of Hebrews points out many Old Testament characters and how they believed God. And there in verses 8 to 12, we see Abraham. And the point that the writer of Hebrews makes here is that Abraham believed God when he said that Sarah would have a son. Sarah, who was barren, who couldn't have children, She would have a son of Abraham's, who was old, but Abraham believed him. Further down, in verses 17 to 22, we see Abraham again. And I talk about this in more detail in the article about Abraham that I pointed you to. But here, it said that God tested him by having him offer Isaac as a sacrifice. And Abraham took him and was about to sacrifice him when God stopped him and provided a a ram, which pointed forward to Christ. But see, verse 19 tells you what Abraham believed. I mean, think about it. 
So you have this promised son who you, you've waited for years for God to provide. He does. This is the promised son. You have one. And then God says, okay, sacrifice that son. So you know God is going to make you a great nation, but he's provided you with one son. And now God tells you to kill that son. How many of us would try to come up with an excuse? Uh, well, I can't do this. You know, this is the son that you have provided me. This is the son that you promised. Really, I think it's we're trying to rescue God at this point. But what did Abraham believe? Well, according to verse 19, Abraham believed that he was actually going to kill Isaac and that God was going to raise him from the dead because he believed that God was going to fulfill his promise through Isaac. You see, Abraham is an example of faith, not great faith, faith. Abraham's not the hero here. God is. God is the one who made a promise. God is the one who fulfilled the promise. God is the one who provided the sacrifice, not the ram, Jesus Christ. But here in Hebrews 11, we see Moses. And because God called him to lead God's people out of Egypt, he stood up to Pharaoh. I mean, think about that. You're going to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and you're telling him, let God's people go. A God that nobody can see. Do you see the faith that Moses had? Again, I don't want to look at Moses' conduct because the writer of Hebrews is pointing out his faith. And even though the writer of Hebrews doesn't point out a particular instance of David, he does mention David in verse 32. You see, these three scoundrels in conduct are pillars of faith. Now, it's not like you should be like David and have this great faith. You should be like Abraham and Moses and have this great faith that could make you stand up to the king of Egypt or to believe that God is going to raise Isaac from the dead. No, you should be like them and believe God and believe that he keeps his promise. That's the point. Even here, they're not the heroes. God is the hero. But the writer of Hebrews is pointing out that these people stood firm in their faith, even though they were utter failures in conduct. You see, their unwavering faith in the promise is the example to follow. It's not about having enough faith to move a mountain. That's not even the faith that these guys had. So the key is not having so much faith or a lot of faith. The key is having faith in the promise of God. It is believing that God made a promise and God will keep his promise. It is their unwavering faith that God is a promise keeper. So why is this important? Well, first, it's not uncommon for us to raise up Bible characters as role models to follow, but they're just as sinful as you and me. These are not role models when it comes to conduct. Jesus Christ is the only role model in history to follow. These Bible characters, you and me, none of us are role models when it comes to conduct. And it's also important because it reminds us that when we focus on these Bible characters as heroes, it takes our eyes off the true hero of the Bible, and that is Jesus Christ. And also, I think this gets us to focus on the right thing. It's not about the conduct of these Bible heroes. It's not about how much faith they had. It's remembering that they believed God made a promise, and he was going to keep his promise. And for us... The promise is that though we have violated the holy law of God and we deserve his condemnation, he has delivered us from Satan's domain and he transferred us to Christ's kingdom, all this by his grace alone. And we trust that to be true. And then finally, I think this encourages us in, in our failure. 
Do you realize that David remained in God's good standing even after he committed adultery and murder? Do you realize that God made a promise to David that it would be his line that would be on the eternal throne? And that's Jesus Christ. Do you realize that Jesus Christ is a descendant of David, not by accident, but by the promise of God? So if these scoundrels can remain in God's good standing, even when they are miserable failures, then so can we. Now, I think it might be helpful to point you to episode four, where I talk about the only way to be right with God. You see, we're not right with God because of what we do. We're right with God because of what he has done. And God has called us to believe him. Remember, Adam got us in trouble when he didn't believe God. God is reversing this and calling us to believe him. You see, God is trustworthy. God cannot lie. When God makes a promise, he must carry it out. So these men stood firm on the promise of God. They believe that God made a promise and that he's going to keep his promise. And that's the example to follow. So here's my assignment for you. Read 2 Samuel chapter 11 and chapter 12 verses 1 to 25. And then when you've read that, read Psalm 51. That's the psalm that David wrote after Nathan confronts him concerning his sin with Bathsheba. And it is a beautiful confession of sin. I'm going to encourage you to earmark Psalm 51 and come back to it on a regular basis. And then finally, read Hebrews chapter 11 and see how the writer of Hebrews points out these instances where these Old Testament Bible characters stood firm in their faith. Now, I want to conclude this episode by pointing out Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. Basically, verses 1 through 5, God makes a promise to Abraham. And notice what God does in verse 6. Abraham believed God, and God put to his account righteousness. God counted Abraham's faith as righteousness. Now, keep in mind, Abraham was not a righteous man. He was a sinner like you and me. And he's not better than we are. The key is this. God considered Abraham righteous. He counted his faith as righteousness. And he did this simply because Abraham believed God. You see, when you look at verses 1 through 5, there is no obedience. God makes a promise. You see, God didn't count him righteous because he obeyed. He counted him righteous because he believed. He counted his faith as righteousness. And this is true of you as well. When you believe God, he counts your faith as righteousness. And let me mention one more thing. You can read about the Philippian jailer in Acts 16, but let me focus on verses 30 and 31. And he asked Paul and Silas what he must do to be saved. And they responded by saying, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You see, faith is the key. It's what the Old Testament heroes were noted for. And it's what the New Testament encourages. The key in all of this is that God makes a promise and God will keep his promise. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already. You can find this episode on several different apps. If you like what I do, please leave a positive review. Please share or tell others about The Fox Den. If you have any questions, please email me at terry at thefoxdenjournal.com. Also check out thefoxdenjournal.com to find articles and other resources. Thanks for listening.